Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. Welcome to Cavs the Podcast. I'm Nate Smith, and I am here with Elijah Kim and Chris Francis. There we go. How are you doing, gentlemen? Doing all right. Doing all right. getting a little nervous for tomorrow night for sure, uh, <laughs> but definitely uh, you know chugging along. That, so, that's exactly what I thought, Eli. I'm nervous as heck for tomorrow. <laughs> okay, so explain to me why you guys are nervous. Go first, oh. Eli. You started it. Yeah, I think uh, I'm nervous in a multitude of ways because I think unless the Cavs are picking firsts, they're going to pick the wrong guy between two to five. And then if they pick, if they drop to six or lower, everyone's just going to be like so upset and they're going to be so disappointed and they're going to talk about wanting to trade that pick for Ben Simmons or. You know, there's just going to be a lot of negativity, and then we have to deal with this for a whole month until the actual draft happens. So that's the nervousness. Um, so there's very limited options uh, for the Cavs fans and myself to be super excited about the draft unless we're first, because I'm just worried about who we select anyways. Who, what about you, Chris? Why are you nervous? Eli couldn't have said I mean, it's Kobe Altman for me. <laughs> You know that's my uh, that's my uh, permanent grudge right now, and uh, like Eli, I have no faith that he's going to select the right person unless it's uh, the number one pick when it's clear cut like that. And uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, that's basically it. It's just uh, it, and and it's also kind of the fact that Cade specifically is the perfect fit you know it's it's the fit and the talent together that that makes it so high stakes you know it's like a guy that you can immediately slot in you know what he's going to do you you know there's a need there so there's like this perfect marriage there but uh you know after Kate it becomes a whole bunch of question marks and then I just don't have any faith that Kobe has a process that's going to bear out for us the the best case scenario so yeah that's about it so I, I'm with you guys a little bit on, you know, fear of Kobe. Um, it feels like he might, as he often does, zag when he should zig. But uh, I would say the other thing that has me a little worried is just kind of the, I feel like a lot of people that if the Cavs don't get like a top, you know, two or three pick, they're ready to, to jump off the cliff as Cavs fans, and I, I really think that's kind of ridiculous. Um, so I, I guess my follow-up question to you guys, and Chris, you can go first. If the Cavs don't get first, 
um, where do you want them? Do you want them second or do you want them, you know, is there a preferred slot? Um, I actually, I actually kind of agree with where you're going. And, and to me, it's, I think there's good prospects, you know, anywhere really. I mean, of course there's the top four, so that would be nice. I think there's a clear cut top four, really top three in my opinion. Uh, but I mean, at least top four by consensus, and then even after that, then you get into some of the um, – Chris Fedor actually had a pretty good article on it. You get into some of the guys that actually fit a need at the wing position, and there seems to be a variety of options uh, post top five, you know, from this five to ten range. So um, in that sense, I think you're on to something, Nate, you know, that there's talent to, there's talent to be found. It's just a question of whether – Kobe can actually find it. So, um, I'm actually, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm there. I do have a little bit of excitement just investigating some of the other guys, uh, that aren't necessarily in the consensus, but, uh, it's just my whole nervousness is with Kobe. Really? I mean, it's less with the pick and more with just Kobe. What what about you, Eli? If, if you're not first, you're last. Is that, (laughs) no, I think, uh, to me personally, I think this is a two two player draft. So if you're not first, I'm good with second. Um, Who are you two guys? So wait, 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 wait! Before you do that, um, I, I want to let let's start going on who we think is in the top. We'll do a uh, we'll do one roll on the tankathon, and we'll kind of discuss these guys as they come up. So I think that's a good All way right. to good way to do it. Sounds um, good. And then my whole take. I mean, I'm almost like. Uh, I'm almost like welfare to work, Nate. I feel like the draft, if they're not first, I want the Cavs to be eighth because I feel <laughs> hey, like... Hey, they can get ninth apparently too. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> the Cavs a little bit are, you know, especially Cavs fandom is like, oh, if you don't get a top five pick, you're screwed. And, you know, meanwhile, you see this, uh, who who's in the conference finals right now. Most of these teams... We're not built. I mean, obviously, L.A. was all built through free agency, so that they're they're not exactly the best case scenario. But if you look in the East with Atlanta and um, Milwaukee, that that team wasn't built with top five picks. You know, that team was built with smart drafting. I mean, obviously, uh, Trey Young doesn't fit that mold exactly. He was a number. He was the fourth pick, I believe. Uh, fifth. Fourth or fifth? fifth. Yeah, fourth or fifth. Fifth. Was he fifth? Okay. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, he doesn't fit that narrative quite as much. But fifth pick is, you know, near where the Cavs are projected right now. So my my take is that drafting smart and having a smart organization that develops players for the future is much more important than, you know, what pick you get two through five or whatever. Um and winning the lottery is no guarantee of success. I mean, you look at uh, the year that, oh, what's his name? Who's the center for the Suns? Uh, DeAndre Ayton. Yeah, you look yeah. at the year that Ayton came out. Well, Luka Doncic is the best player, and he was taken third. And then you've got uh, Trey was taken fifth. So you don't need that top pick to get the best player. Um, you do need a little bit of luck, but I, I feel like the Cavs – fan base is a little too you know oh woe is us we need a top pick it should be handed to it to us and i i'm a little 
a little skeptical on that. So you can call me uh, welfare to work, Nate. I'll, I'll kind of want to add on to that. I also think there's just this, um, you know, there's this big narrative this year about how this draft is really good. And typically, just the way it works out, like, the hype always exceeds the results, typically, when it's this hyped. And I'm a little worried that this draft will also kind of be like that, where, you know, they're, they're, everyone, the media is touting, like, this is a five-person draft. You have potentially five franchise changers, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, I'm just hoping it's not a dud for the Cavs' sake. Obviously, they pick in the top five. But, um, you know, like last year's draft was hyped so harshly and they there's like, oh, there's really not that much talent in this draft. And I personally thought this draft, this past year draft was really underrated and there were a lot of good key players that emerged out of it. So there's I mean, just, been a lot in the end of the day, it's a drop really good players to come out of the last two drafts. I mean, you're looking at it right now. You look at the number of guys. Hold on. You look at the nuts. Sorry, my daughter is singing in the background, and now she's making faces at me. So, um, you look at the number of guys that came out of the second round uh, in the last two years. I mean, you look at Terrence Mann for the for the Clippers, just tearing it up right now. So, yeah, I'm with you. I I think it, it's kind of all over the place. I think every draft is a crapshoot, but I think the one of the reasons that a lot of people think this draft is really going to be really good is because a lot of people went back into the draft the previous year because of the COVID that might, might not have come out otherwise or might have come out in the previous year and kind of stayed an extra year because of, you know, the uncertainty in that year. So it may be a little deeper. Um, but let's uh, let's take a spin down hypothetical lane <laughs> unless one of you guys has a rebuttal to that. Well, the the one thing I will add just for the, you know, the the ana- analytical nerd brain inside of me wants to say history has shown top 3 is usually where you get the the you you get the superstar basically. So, I think and I, I think so while I agree with you to 100%, it's about scouting it's about having an eye for talent you know just an organizational discipline towards uh drafting and developing but it would uh, be awfully nice if it were top three (laughs) you know so that 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 would be the only addendum i'd add but yeah absolutely nate i agree with you 100 percent. i just hope i just hope we they made some kind of improvements in that regard so you guys are not going to like how my spin on the tankathon went. Uh-oh. So uh, here we go. So number one is is not the Cavaliers. It is the Houston Rockets. And I, I, are you guys all in consensus that Cade Cunningham is the number one pick of this draft? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. 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 So that, no is, that is who the tankathon has the Cavs taking or the Rockets taking. Um, so he can fight with the, right the point guard duties with uh, Kevin Porter Jr. Um, <laughs> we'll see how that works out. Um, and then number two, uh, who do you have number two, Eli, on your big board? You say it's a two deep draft. Yeah, and even even though I say it's a two deep draft, I still think there's you know kind of a there is a gap between Cade and my second player, but then there's a even bigger gap from two to three in my opinion. So who's but your my two? second player? Is Evan Mobley? I uh, I'm a big Mobley mm. fan, and I think that he is um, 
the clear-cut number two in this draft, in my opinion. So um, the Tankathon has him at number two. And going to the Detroit Pistons, which would which would be a kick in the kick in the stomach for Eli, um, as that team starts to build a a pretty solid young roster. If he were to go there, um, seven foot, two hundred and fifteen pounds from USC. Tell me why you like uh, Evan Mob- Mobley so much, Eli. Yeah, I just think he's the prototypical big man for today's NBA. He's skilled enough to put the ball on the floor. He can shoot the three. You know, it's not perfect yet, but he he shows signs that he can shoot pretty well from the outside. Um, Defensively, he's, you know, quick enough to switch out. He's not an elite perimeter defender, but, you know, he's good enough to be dangerous out there when switched in those situations. So, you know, everything just screams that he can do everything required to in today's NBA as a big as a seven footer. Um, you know, there are areas for improvement. He's pretty you know thin and wiry at just 215 pounds and seven feet tall. Um, he doesn't have a lot of experience kind of leading an offense, which, you know, as a superstar big man, you will get the responsibility of doing that. But, you know, I think he's a very underrated passer. His teammates at USC weren't the greatest, so some of his assist numbers are a little lower than you would like uh, for someone who you tout as a good passer. But you know, there's just a lot to like, I think. And, you know, in addition to what I like about him, I just kind of have big, big, bigger questions about, um, you know, Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs. So um, that's kind of why I think Mobley is the clear cut number two for me on my board. Sorry, Chris, is he number two on your board? I'd I'd have to say so. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, let let me caveat that. Is he number two overall and is he number two for the Cavs? Um, I would say yes and <laughs> yes and you cut out there. Maybe yes. that's the yes yes and yeah, yes. I think he he should be number. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm a BPA guy. Uh, just with a uh, just as a general philosophy, and and I get why that might be controversial, but I'm I think he would he should be number. He's the number two prospect in my mind, and he should be the number two prospect for the Cavs. Um. And, uh, but I would say that the gap between two and three is, is I would differ on Eli that there's a big gap between, uh, the second and third. So who uh, do you have number three? I, I see it as a th- number three in my mind is Jalen Suggs. Um, and I, uh, I get why some have him fourth. Um, there's questions about his ability to score, um, I just, and also his ability to shoot the three, but I just think, uh, there's, uh, there's some analytical indicators that say he's got a good enough touch. Um, he can get to the rim, um, pretty well by himself in isolation situations, especially as, as, as he did as a freshman. Um, and, uh, I also, I mean, the biggest thing is his basketball IQ. He just, it's just adding a guy that knows the game, knows how to impact the game without scoring in a variety of ways, playmaking, defending, um, moving the ball, uh, just being smart two, with the ball and making good decisions. steals a game, which is usually yeah, yeah. a really his big feel indicator for, of NBA success. Yeah, his feel for the game is excellent, I think. I mean, it's it's elite. It's um, 
I mean, it's the same the way that I feel about, honestly, about Mobley. Mobley's another guy who I would argue is he's got a high IQ, knows knows the game, knows it on a, a, a intrinsic level, um, instinctual level. And I put Suggs up there too. And um, I think didn't Suggs shoot about 80% free throws. So, I mean, that's to me a threshold. I, I, you know, I would consider that a threshold for a good shoot. Okay. 75%. So he's, he's close enough. Um, He did shoot uh, three threes a game. It's a little, it's a little ugly with three 34%, but he still did shoot at volume. And I think the 75% uh, free throw shooting is an indicator of touch um, and shooting touch. And so I think uh, I think that he could become a, a legitimate scorer uh, with a three ball and just the passing and the defensive, instinctual defensive playmaking. It just, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's funny because it kind of stands in stark contrast to Sexton, who's, a, you know, bona fide scorer. But what else does he bring to the table? Well, uh, if you wanted a counterpoint, is what else does a guy bring needs to bring to the table? Jalen Suggs is that guy, you know. So uh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I you know my only questions on Suggs are his size. Uh, he's pretty he's pretty light for six four, um, and and a pretty you know I'm. Of course, he's not as light as Jalen Green, so um, <laughs> so that is a little a little bit of a dichotomy. But um, I I think he certainly has all the tools. I wouldn't have a problem with him. He's interestingly not who Tankathon had rated number three. Uh, number three to the Orlando Magic was Jalen Green, who played in the G League. Um, you know, a wispy six foot six, one hundred and seventy eight pounds, um, but averaged you know twenty and five. Uh, rebounds in the G League bubble, which it's really hard to get a feel on that. So there's a lot of that's going to come down to individual workouts. And, you know, my take is these G League guys are going to have a harder development curve. Um, And then, you know, following up to that, uh, we've got Oklahoma City taking Jalen Suggs at four for the old tankathon, which would actually be a super dynamic backcourt for them between him and SGA long term but uh and then of course the Cavs fall in at number five and Eli if the Cavs were to get the number five pick I mean and you can talk about uh Jalen Green a little bit and and Suggs if you want but uh if the Cavs were to get the number five pick who would you want them to take there I think you have to take Kuminga because he has the most uh, upside in the draft, but it also has a really low floor, in my opinion, so he could be a bust. But at this point, for the Cavs, you need to swing for the fences, and he's kind of the last of the group that I think could potentially be a franchise player. Uh, it'll take longer with him, and he'll have to get more coaching and a lot more trial by error, but I think that's who the Cavs have to take. Um, personally, I would even consider Scotty Barnes in this spot too. I really like Scotty Barnes's game, um, but I think in the end, I still ha- will have to go with Kaminga just because he has all the athletic tools and you know flashes of being a potentially dominant wing uh, in the NBA. And you know, you were going back and forth a little bit on uh, Twitter today of the Scotty Barnes. Um, 
Ben Simmons comps. And <laughs> is there a comp there? Honestly, I think that just because they play good defense and they're long, people compare them. But I think Ben Simmons is definitely better. Um, he's just like a much better athlete than Barnes is. Um, I think when I think of athleticism, there are guys who are explosive, can leap out of a gym. You know, those are guys like LeBron, Donovan Mitchell, Ja Morant. And then you got other guys who are athletic, but more smooth, which who are like Kawhi, you know, PG, that type of athleticism. And Barnes definitely fits into the latter group. Whereas I think Simmons does have some of that explosiveness of the first group I mentioned. So it's just a different type of athleticism. And I think Barnes um, may shoot a little bit better, but he's definitely not the passer. I don't think that Simmons has demonstrated so far. So it'd be it'd be an interesting fit. I mean, at six, I would definitely think Barnes is probably the top guy for me. But at five, I still think you got to try to swing for the fences and go for a guy like Kaminga. Um, yeah, just... I, I would say the other guy um... – or the other stat that kind of compares him to Ben Simmons is that, you know, 5.9 assists per game. And he's also a guy that gets a lot of steals. He's definitely, he almost reminds me of um, who was the Bulls pick last year? McDaniels? Pat Pat Williams. Pat Williams. Yeah. I don't know where I got McDaniels, but you know, in that he kind of doesn't really slot to a traditional NBA position and he's kind of a weird hybrid. Um, and, you know, Barnes reminds me of that a little bit, too. Um, do you have any take on the, you know, Jalen Green, Jalen Suggs? Who do you rank three and four? Yeah, so for me, I actually have Green at three and Suggs at four. Um, so tell us a little bit about Green. So I think Green can be the best scorer in this draft. He has that explosive athleticism I, that I talk about. Um, you know, he's a good jumper. Uh, where he does lack, I, and he's a decent shooter at this point. Where I think he kind of lacks is he gets he does get a little tunnel vision, I think, and he the, he isn't the playmaker that um, you know that you would like as the guy who's six six. And he's also you know physically pretty pretty thin and undeveloped. He's yeah. under 190 pounds, so I get the concerns, but I think you just see so much athleticism and potential in his offensive game, and that's just hard to. That's the hardest thing and the most important thing that people look for, I feel like, in these top picks. You know, people go for the guys who can score 25 a night um, and then, you know, hopefully can develop the defense and the the playmaking. So that's why I have him at three ahead of Suggs. And my concern with Suggs is, you know, he's, he's a bit older than all these guys, too. He's already 20 years old. Um, and, you know, he played in a very good – he played under a very good coach and – you know, I think I'm just a little worried that his shooting is really mechanical and just seems a little unnatural to me. And I just feel like his handle and his like passing is not as good as advertised. He does turn the ball over a lot more than people realize, I believe. I think he's at like three a game, basically. And I just don't think he has elite vision and he's not like an elite size guy. So that's why it's hard for me to kind of peg him as you know, this uh, potential superstar for sure. Um, Obviously, he could develop those tools, but he's better at, you know, the little things versus, like, the big things to me. Like, he's going to be 
a bulldog. He's going to be tenacious guarding you. He'll go, you know, through screens and do all the little things great. But I'm just a little worried that he can't score 20 points a game easily. And he'll come a little uglier. And he can't, uh, you know, shoot lights out when he's open or, you know, get 10 assists a game. Um, so that's kind of just where my concern is with Suggs. I think he has great, you know, he can get there. But it, to me, I just don't see that right now. Yeah. And that's why I'm fourth. Yeah, I, I'm. Yeah, I, I watch him a lot in the tournament, and he strikes me as a guy, like I said, that's a little small for the NBA. Um, but he's also a super heady player. I actually think his best position in the pros probably is point guard, or you know, in one of these hybrid guard roles. Um, you know, with the ball in his hands a good bit as a scoring threat with the ability to distribute and i think his basketball iq would help him there um unfortunately that makes his usefulness on the Cavs a little bit suspect um you know i i guess i'll ask you a follow-up question at what point do you think uh the Cavs would have to get a draft pick like is it three is it four where they would start to think about trading back eli i think if they are at or they would think about trading back um, because I think they would take Green, and I still I honestly think that they wouldn't take Suggs at three because I think the Cavs are very worried about fit too. You can't keep drafting, you know, players under six four just every year and then expect it to work out. Um, and I think if anything, the playoffs are further kind of proving that out right now you know the these teams are all getting to the finals because not because of all well the cp3 being a minor exception but um you know it's just you got you need size you need the ability to create your own shot and that's uh harder to do when you're six two six three than yeah oh i i totally think that and you know one of the things that i've seen in this playoffs has really been the death of the skip pass uh, because that skip pass with these kind of overloading the zone uh, defenses, you know, these hybrid zone man defenses, the skip pass with how long these defenders are now is just so hard. And, you know, the, the taller guys are the, the easier it is to take that away. And I just, like you said, I think it's, it's really becoming a six, four and up league. You have to be really special to be small in the NBA anymore, or you have to be really strong, and and it's changing just so incredibly rapidly is the other issue. So, um, I I'm with you. I think you know four lower the Cavs really do look to trade down, um, and I think that's a real possibility in this draft where there's several teams with multiple first round picks. Um, you know, if if Golden State has multiple first rounders but isn't in that top three or four. You know, maybe they look to trade up. Uh, you look at a team like the um, the Rockets, and you look at a team like the uh, Thunder, also have multiple first round picks. So I, I definitely think there's there's options to trade down, both for draft picks in this draft and in the future, uh, and for players too. Uh, especially if you know you have a shot at a guy like Jalen Suggs, he doesn't make sense for your team. Um, and I'll kind of say I have a lot of guys that I like as prospects for the Cavs um, that aren't in that top, 
you know, four or five range, um, you know that the guy I'm going to say that I am really enamored of is Josh Giddy, who, you know, lit up the Australian league uh, last year at, you know, averaging 12, 8, and 8 as a six foot eight point guard. And, you know, another guy who lit up the Australian league last year was uh, LaMelo Ball. So I, I think that's a really good league, and you got to look at those numbers and say, hey, maybe this guy can contribute. Because that is a league that's populated with a lot of guys who have NBA talent, were in the NBA. Um, it, it's definitely something to look at. Uh, the other guy that intrigues me, if the Cavs aren't in that top range, is um, the Turkish <laughs> the Turkish center, Alperin Sengun, I, or Sengun. I can't I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his first name. Close enough. Um, but uh, he, he played for Besiktas in Turkey and just put up some really eye-popping numbers for the EuroLeague. Um, you know, 24, 11, and, and 3 assists. And he's definitely, you know, not a great three-point shooter, but he also shot 80% from the free throw line, which usually is a pretty big indicator for a big man that he'll have that touch uh, as a pro. And I, I'm intrigued with his his skill set as well. And I he kind of, to me, would be a nice consolation if they don't get a guy like, uh, you know, Evan Mobley as a, as a big. And, you know, all these big guys are guys that if they were to draft a – a four or five would really put the onus on them to move Kevin Love somehow because there's would just be a log jam at that at the big spot uh, with uh, Jared Allen and Larry Nance coming back. Um, what about you, Chris? Is there anybody that isn't that we kind of haven't talked about that you're intrigued if the Cavs fall back into you know seven, eight, nine in that area? Oh yeah, I mean the big one is Jalen Johnson from Duke. Uh, I'm obviously biased about him, but I think why, why are you biased? Are you a dookie? Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I, I, uh, I thought we knew you. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I'm afraid we got to let you go from your unpaid <laughs> position at Cavs the Bluff. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. It's a it's a character flaw. I admit it, but uh, hey, I like winners, so. Um, and, uh, the, one of my first basketball memories was, uh, Duke beating the undefeated UNLV, uh, running rebels, the Jerry Tarkanian rebels. So, uh, you know, I, they were an underdog back then. So, you know, it's a, when you root for Duke, you're actually rooting for an underdog. People don't know this, but it's true. So, uh. Uh, but anyway, with Jalen Johnson, I mean, he, he's just to me, the guy that you roll the dice on with star potential. Um, he's got, uh, the usage for a freshman and the, uh, free throw rate for a freshman, uh, that you want to see, um, of a, of a scoring star, you know, as Eli alluded to, I will push back, I guess, on the Jalen Suggs thing is what I was going to say is. Those are the two promising indicators for uh, Suggs' ability as an isolation scorer. Is, uh, he has a pretty high free throw rate at forty-three point uh, and a 25% usage rate, which is, you know, it's not, it's not 30%, but it's high enough to where he was, he was taking a load. And I think, if anything, the, the tournament showed that he was pretty much the only guy that could create his own shot on that, on that Gonzaga squad when it, when, 
when you reach the uh, final four and stuff like that. So, so I'm going to um, jump in and interrupt you real quick. Yeah, sure. Because Eli yeah. has to take off. Any parting shots, Eli? Any anything to watch out for in the in the lottery or you know nightmare or dream scenarios for you? Uh, well, the dream is one. Um, nightmare is probably four or five, to be honest. <laughs> um, but uh, that being said, you know whatever happens. It, it happens. There's nothing we can do to influence or anything. So, just support them and let's let's go, Cavs, man. <laughs> yeah, and it's just basketball. That's right. It's just basketball. <laughs> yeah, have a good evening, Eli. Yeah, take care, right, Eli. So, uh, yeah. given given that, I I'm I'm pretty excited about the lottery tomorrow. It's our first real. Well, if you're listening to this, it's probably this evening because you're probably yes. listening to it tomorrow. But um, the first real Cavs news in a while. And this is our first night without a, a playoff game in some time. I know. It's uh, weird. It's a little weird. It's been – I, I got to say the the playoffs have been pretty fantastic so far. I mean, you've had your dud series like your Phoenix-Denver series, which I think was really marred by the injury to – you know Jamal Murray. That was just a nightmare yep. matchup for them. Yep. Um, and and kudos to Phoenix for just putting them away and taking care of business, yep. which they did again against the Clippers uh, last night. Um, yeah. Sans CP3. But there's just been a ton of fallout from you know the playoffs so far. I mean, let's talk about the biggest story today. If you're a Cavs fan, um, or at least you follow the Cavs on Twitter. Um, the Sixers losing to Atlanta, which, first of all, Atlanta, who the Cavs seem to own in the regular season, just went on a stratospheric run ever since Nate McMillan took over. Mm-hmm. And they got healthy. I will say that their health corresponded with him taking over. But I don't think anybody predicted them to get to the conference finals um, past a, just an utter implosion by the 76ers who really missed um, uh, Green, mm-hmm. um, Danny Green, just for his shooting and because so they would not have to play um, Seth Curry so much. And well, Curry course, wasn't the problem. Curry was – it's funny you say right. that because Curry was probably the second best Philly in that series. Like, without a doubt. You mean uh, Sixer? Yeah. Yep, Sixer. Sorry, yes. No, he was, I, he was probably the second best. At least uh, offensively. I, I will say, yeah. you know, all around it may have been uh, Tobias Harris, but, yeah, at least offensively. I mean, Embiid was the straw that stirs the drink for them, but obviously right. the big uh, storyline is just the utter disappearance of Ben Simmons, who didn't even want the ball in his hands in the fourth <sighs> quarter, and yet – Doc Rivers was still playing him, yet not letting him touch the ball uh, in or putting him in a roll situation. It was very odd. I, I called it he was playing him at the clunker spot, you know, instead of the dunker spot. He was – it was just – so Cavs Twitter today alive with the prospect of trading for Ben Simmons, which mm-hmm. is – you know, a devil's bargain if there ever was one. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I am not a fan. I think the guy hasn't improved his, you know, NBA game in six years. Why are you taking a shot on him now? Um, you know, I guess the news late today was that he's committing to working on his his offensive game and his shooting before next season. And I'm like, well, 
why did it take you so long? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, although I think the other fraud that was exposed in the series was was Doc Rivers, who absolutely, <laughs> amen. Oh boy. Yeah. So, what's your take on the bit? Should the Cavs try to trade for Ben Simmons? Give me your three minute take or your sure. You know, I 60 mean, second take. If, the my take that I uh, shared last night um, on the boards on the open thread was. Uh, Sure, you take them, but you've got to get something. I mean, you've got to get something in return. Basically, that's a so that's a, a salary terrible, dump at this point. Absolutely, it, it's a terrible. Con- He's going into year one of a five year extension here. Yeah, you know, or a four, you know, whatever it is. He's got over a hundred million on the books for the next four years, and he's unplayable in the playoffs. So you've got to. Get some assets if you're planning to take on Simmons. So yeah, I'm I'm down for Simmons, but unless you're getting something in return, then I, you know, I it's uh you know unless you're getting something like dumping love and uh, also getting a pick or two, I think at least one first round, if not two first round picks, you know, uh, that's got to be like so that the contract minimum. is over 140 million for the next four years. <laughs> Yep, there you go. And and, and, and he was unplayable in a second round playoff game. Yeah, you you're paying a guy next year 33 million and then in his fourth year 40 million mm-hmm. uh, who currently cannot score in mm-hmm. in pressure situations uh is afraid to get fouled. Um mm-hmm. That's a really really tough sell for me. And obviously his value is super low right now. Exactly. Um, right. My opinion is the current NBA, you know, you've seen it over and over and over again. Offense trumps almost everything in the NBA right now. Exactly. Uh, mm-hmm. It is so hard to defend in the NBA. And even if you take a guy who struggled like Giannis, he's still a guy because of his ability to drive and his ability to um, you know, get off offensive rebounds and score and feed his teammates and move without the ball and score in transition. He's still a guy that can get you 30 points in a, in a playoff game. And I give Giannis all the credit in the world for stepping up, um, doing what he could and, you know, being good enough at the free throw line against the Nets to win that game, which, you know, you and I watched that game. That game was an absolute war of attrition. Uh, and, <laughs> One of the most bizarre games that I've seen, that overtime game, basically overtime because Kevin Durant, you know, was over the three-point line by a a millimeter shooting that three. (laughs) And, you know, as, you know, my one of my favorite uh, bloggers or Twitter's uh, Whitney posted, the Bucks may have won that game because P.J. Tucker fouled out and they didn't have to, and they didn't, he saved Bud from himself. Oh yeah, <laughs> putting yeah. Him on Durant, but yeah. Well, I, I you know, the, I mean, I. It's funny that to me, my I was I was sharing this among uh, Sixers fans who were very critical of the Bucks. They're like mirror images of each other. That's that's that was the conclusion I reached from the the Nets Bucks series is. Uh, the Bucks won kind of in spite of themselves. Like Bud is awful like i can't see like they're really in a pickle it seems because i don't know how you can fire a guy you know when he conquers a couple of demons like you know the heat and the bucks in one 
playoff uh, uh, year, but Bud's rotations and strategy uh, is just as questionable, in my opinion, as Doc's. So, but but well, Giannis, I'll, I'll give Bud know. credit for winning that last game and playing a much shortened rotation that he absolutely has been destroyed mm-hmm. for earlier in the playoffs and in previous right. seasons. And I will also say that he stuck with Brooke Lopez and Brooke Lopez was brilliant in game seven. He made uh, some huge plays. He huge had four defensive blocks, yeah. had a ton of big threes. And mm-hmm. I think that's the one big difference, you know, team construction wise of Milwaukee compared to Philadelphia is the guys outside of Giannis and Ben Simmons can all shoot on, right. or at least the people they were playing on Milwaukee. And obviously, you know, Drew Holiday was struggling, but hit a timely shot or two and got yep. to the line mm-hmm. and at least went one, at least did enough to win. Whereas yep. for Philly, they, you know, the scoring was hard to come by for sure. It was, and, yeah. It's, and, yeah, you know, and Bede really struggled in the second half of all those uh, games against Atlanta. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, and speaking of scoring, I guess, uh, well, and y- you and Eli made a great point, you know, with respect to the Jalen Green conversation, because in the playoffs, it's about isolation scoring. You know, the game completely changes. As you said, like the, the passes aren't there. The passing lanes aren't there. You've got to be able to create your own shot. And uh, so that, you know, that's a feather in the cap of guys like, look who emerged uh, in these playoffs. It's Devin Booker, Donovan Mitchell, uh, you know, these two guys who've been much maligned as just uh, limited scorers who all of a sudden they come alive in the playoffs because that's the type of player you need um, instead of a Ben Simmons, you know, or even, uh, you know, even a Drew Holiday whose scoring has completely left him. I, you know, well, he's always been kind of super streaky like that. Okay. Um, Yeah. See, I'm, I'm, he's had really good years and really mediocre years. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. he always seems to have good years when his contract's up. (laughs) 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 <laughs> well, I mean, he did make those, I mean, at least he had no fear, you know, on the, like, I remember he hit a couple of fourth quarter threes where you, and he had the mental toughness to keep shooting, even though he was bricking everything. So, um, yeah. And yeah, I really yeah. thought that the refs were absolutely hosing Milwaukee that game. And it was good to see Milwaukee get a couple of calls you know, without about 90 seconds and a minute left to, to kind of even out the free throw situation a little bit because it was like 25 to 14. And it felt like, you know, it felt like the Nets were throwing themselves into guys for fouls as, you know, Kevin Durant, not as much, but James Harden is definitely want to do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. It, it was really interesting, interesting to see how that game shook out. And it was a really good game. Um, I would say the other game that was one of just the most fascinating games I've ever watched was the Clippers Utah game set. <laughs> yes, was, I have never seen a team or a player get absolutely roasted for an entire fourth quarter and not get subbed out the way we not even fourth quarter, third and fourth quarter, the way we saw Rudy Gobert just destroyed by Ty Lue and the Clippers. When they basically put Gobert on Terrence Mann and dared Terrence Mann to beat him from the 
corner, and he did over and over and over, and Utah just never adjusted. Right, right. Well, one thing I will say is if you go back and look at the stats to that game, the real difference was uh, as fun as it is to slander Rudy Gobert, the real difference was turnovers on offense for Utah. I I think uh, um, they had – 10 more turnovers than the Clippers um, for the game. And they were also outscored in fast break points, uh, 31 to four. Yeah. So, and, and that's definitely part of that. Yeah. And I would say a lot of that comes back to, you know, what we talked about earlier when you are playing these non ISO lineups, um, you have to be able to hit that skip pass. And against these really long yes. defenses, it is yep. really hard. Although mm-hmm. I would say not every part of that was due to skip passes. Some of that was just fatigue. Some of that was yep. Yep. Um, really good defense, obviously. And some of that was just guys with butterfingers um, or, mm-hmm. you know, flubbing passes. But, yeah. you know, I was really surprised. I thought Utah was going to win that. Utah probably... You know, there was a lot of these series where the team should have closed them out early. I mean, Philly really should have closed out mm-hmm. um, Atlanta in game five, and they didn't. Yep. And then yep. who did you see? Um, the The Bucks should have closed out uh, the Nets in game five. Yep. And then won two in a row to, to get it. And I I actually think the Nets were a little stunned that the Bucks stuck around and that they – couldn't come back but i also think the other thing is this the nets ran out of gas and Mm -hmm. i really thought it was a big mistake for durant to just come down and take that three in isolation with his tires as he was he should have got his legs under him out of a timeout and then they could have got a two or a three yeah well you talk about shrunk rotations i mean not not just bud i mean pretty much uh oh yeah pretty much it was a six-man rotation for both (laughs) yes exactly it was pretty wild i mean it reminded me a lot of (laughs) the Cavs. um the game seven from 2016 and absolutely yeah yeah absolutely and well someone made a joke about steve nash uh in uh in my twitter group chat which was um what if steve nash knew that the what if steve nash's secret as a coach was knowing that players aren't actually as tired as they say (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so that was the ace in the hole is he was gonna go just like a six or five or six man rotation (laughs) (laughs) for sure i mean it's really interesting to watch those games i i don't know if you get the sense of how far behind that level of nba basketball the Cavs are but it feels like it's a whole nother league yeah i mean it's that's the thing is um if you go back well that was the thing in in doing research in um doing research on the teams prior to the playoffs and making picks one of the things that stood out was uh some of the teams that were underrated uh like Atlanta, um, the Suns, you go back and look at their roster, they're legitimately seven and eight deep. Yeah. Like they, they, they're legitimately, they have seven or eight players that would start in the NBA. You know what I mean? And, and yeah. that's, that's, that's really the thing is like, how many of those guys do we have on the Cavs squad? Maybe two, Yeah, maybe two, yeah, you know, a, who would be starters on a second round playoff team. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so there's your gap is we're, we're basically we can't even field five legitimate NBA starters where these, you know, the Clippers, the Suns, 
uh, the jazz. Like uh, that's the thing is it was funny. People were, people were burying the Clippers after the Kawhi injury. And it's like, they still have Reggie Jackson, uh, you know, Terrence Mann, uh, uh, Martin, uh, the, I don't remember whichever brother it is. You know, <laughs> I don't know if it's Marcus or Marquise. Now I got, yeah, look. yeah. It's Marcus. It's, but I think that, it's the Marcus. Dumb one. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> But I mean, you know, even with those, Conley was out. And even though those guys are out, they're still six or seven deep. You know what I yeah. mean? And well, as far and the as Jazz play, were that deep too, but they yep, kind of committed were. to a play style that I, I, you know, the Clippers just took away from them. Right. And, no. And yep, they didn't yep. have a counter. Yep. Yep. And and that's the thing is people are calling the Jazz the frauds. Jazz are the frauds. Well, they ran into the Clippers, who possibly are the deepest team. Well, and I, I would say the other part of that is, you know, Donovan Mitchell was hurt. Um, yes, yes. Mike Conley was Conley hurt. didn't play, right, exactly, yeah, for most and, of the season. And, yeah. and that hurts. Um, yes. I, I would say the other part of that is the Clippers are running those lineups where every guy on the floor is 6'7 and 220 pounds. Absolutely. You know, and they're two and they're two-way players. They can and they play switch on those. everything. Yep. They can yep. switch and or they can play matchup zone everywhere. Yep. Um yep. because every I mean the shorter the biggest guy in some of those is Reggie Jackson. I will say right. the other thing, you know, Reggie Jackson and um Terrence Mann just from out of nowhere for monster mm-hmm. series. I mean, yeah. Reggie Jackson, we all thought he was washed when he left uh, Detroit two years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we just thought he was done. Yeah. Well, and, and actually, that's the, you know, what's funny. There's your contrast between Lou and Doc, because actually last year, I was, I remember talking with the Clips fan, why aren't you trying? They needed offense so bad. And they wouldn't try Reggie Jackson until Game Six, Game Seven. He had yeah. already lost his he already lost his scoring rhythm. Well, you have Ty Lue, uh, you know, credit to him. He's unafraid of mixing it up. You know, he benched his starting center. He, you know, he he was playing Rondo, benched him for uh, Reggie Jackson. Well, so. and then the crazy thing you see the next game against Phoenix, he's running different lineups again. Yep, you're right. And, yeah, and it's almost what you have to do. I mean, every yes. single game is a different strategy. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. And I think I think he was just brilliant in Game 7. And I love to see it. Um, I love to see that he is the coach in the Western Conference Finals over um, – oh, who's the coach of the Lakers? Vogel. Oh, you know? right, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Because the oh, Lakers yeah. didn't want to pay him for, what, that third year – Fifth year, oh, is know. that what the issue was? Yeah, I they didn't want to give. Him, yeah, they only okay. wanted to give him like a three-year deal instead of a five-year oh, deal or something. Man. He's like, I want championship coach money, and you know, the other guy who's just going to absolutely get paid <laughs> is Nate McMillan, who <laughs> yes. is a free agent as a head coaching candidate. Just going to somebody's going to back up, uh, you know. Somebody's mm-hmm. going to back up Isaiah Thomas's Brinks truck for him. Yeah, so. That's right. <laughs> Good callback. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just—he's going to get so much money, and I'm. And I'm how happy about your? Because I, I was thinking of your uh, coach of the year, Monty Williams, in the no, in my the coach of the phones, year yeah. I thought was Nate McMillan. Oh, was it Nate McMillan? Yeah, okay, it, I, I it thought was. it was. I thought you. Uh, Although I'm a huge I remember you did Williams mention. Fan. Yeah, 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 yes, you, that's what I remember. Okay, you, yeah, I no, mean, I, I, I think. Monty Williams is a fantastic coach. I think there's so many good coach. There were so many coach of the year candidates this year. You You're know, right. from cool. Thibodeau. I I yeah. think Thibodeau would have been third on my list. 
But, right. you know, Monty Williams was number two and Nate McMillan was number one for me. And mm-hmm. they're they're really proving it. And Ty Lu just a monster playoffs. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and I don't know when Kawhi Leonard's coming back or if he is, but I give him all the all the credit in the world. I'm let me rephrase NBA champion Tyron Lue. That's so. right. Uh, yeah, that's right. We respect our champions here. At yeah, and I, I love just how much the 2016 championship team is, you know, um, a factor in this uh, playoffs. That's right. <laughs> you know, you got Kyrie Irving. You've got you right. James yep. Jones. You've got that's right. uh, Tyron Lue. Is, is there anybody I'm forgetting? Oh, man. It feels like there's more, right? I mean, shoot. Uh uh, you know, I mean, that's enough, you know, really, isn't <laughs> right. it? You know, they're in the conference finals still. Yeah, so, for sure. um, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, um, but that's three of the four teams, uh, had, yeah. had a guy, well, not three, I guess the Nets weren't, but right. It's three of the eight. So yeah, three of the eight. So yeah, it, it was, it was super fun and I'm, and two of the four. So, yep. Yep. Yeah. So I'm, I'm excited to see that. Do you have any big, any big memories that came your way, um, just with the anniversary it was yesterday, I believe. Yeah, I, it was just. Um, it was funny. I watched the uh, extended highlight clip of that whole series, and just the the the, ex, the skill, the skill, the the skill in scoring and passing, and just the overall skill that was displayed in that series. Yeah, the level of play is as high of caliber of basketballs i've ever seen play absolutely it was just insane absolutely insane like uh the shot makers you know with lebron Kyrie, uh steph you know uh clay Clay. yep oh the first half that draymond green had in game seven was like oh my god the Cavs are hoes yeah exactly right he scored what you did 30 in a game seven you know so yeah his first half was monstrous and then of course you know jr smith with yeah yes Eight points coming out of uh, out of the locker room. Yeah, in in the second half that were so enormous. So. Absolutely saved it from going down double digits in in the uh, third quarter there, and so uh, in a tight game. And so what what was what was funny was as I was watching the clip, I got emotional. Like I felt the same emotion. I can't that listen I did to that, that Fred McLeod clip without getting choked yeah a little yeah and i don't know what it, i mean it's just the it's the beauty of sports and sharing a, a moment with people you know yeah. but so where were you when they won <laughs> i was all i was in grand forks north dakota <laughs> <laughs> uh you know my girlfriend's a travel nurse and that was her first assignment uh was grand forks north dakota so i was all in, by in myself the, of the oil boom yeah, exactly. Um, I was all by myself except for, you know, c- occasionally uh, commenting in. I couldn't even take CTB. I was just such a nervous wreck. You know, <laughs> I checked in, read the comments, was lurking, but I was I was just spellbound and pacing back and forth in front of my TV in Grand Forks, North Dakota. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So that so was, was my – how about you? I was yeah. watching in my living room with my best friend who we kind of watched – all the whole series and it it was kind of the last hurrah for him because i think the next year he got married in september and he's in his late 40s and had two kids in three years so his life was pretty much over as he knew it wow Um, and i see him about once every three months now but okay um, yeah we were watching that i mean i wish him all the best it's oh yeah i I say that 
it's just know, a funny thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But and then my uh, my niece uh, was was with us too, and I just remember jumping up and down, and you know they did it, they did it, they did it, and we were all huddled up, and I just started spraying beer all over my house. All over That's my awesome! My oh kitchen. my god! Oh my god! And then I uh, I was gonna be like, I'm gonna drive my car around the block honking it, and I decided. I'll just drive to the end of the driveway and honk it back and forth and just pull it back in the curb. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I was so and I did not clean the beer off the ceiling for about three years. Three and a oh half years. Oh my goodness. Just because oh I was goodness. like it was such a happy memory. Yeah, um, right, right. Yeah. Was it a was it a corona like deli? Were, were you I drinking don't remember corona? what it was. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you. I I, I I should have remembered. I should have oh, memorialized the beer, but I'm sure yeah. it was not a Corona. Okay, okay. I think I can count on one hand the number of Coronas I've drank. Oh wow, wow. Um, well, I just thought you know because you're 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 the ultimate deli guy, so you know. I well, just remember, you know. I didn't know that was his drink of choice till after. That's right. He was that's in true. Vegas. So, and I think I remember the other thing I remember about that was just what a fun summer it was celebrating that all summer. Um, you had the the Cavs at the Tribe Games, and then you saw basically the best World Series I think you'll ever see played between the Tribe and the Cubs right. uh, that that fall. So it, it was a pretty fantastic summer yeah. um, with with that Cavs win. So I'm, you know, forever will remember that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's sure. it's it's uh, yeah. It's just I don't. I can't even. It's just. Amazing! It's totally. I never thought it would. I mean, like I never thought it would happen for Cleveland. You know, it's just one oh. of those things. You know, because I grew up with Ernest Biner, the fumble. You know, and and then um, two thousand one Indians. You know, and just uh, you know, uh, just just assumed it was a curse. You know, I you know just assumed it. So two thousand fifteen uh, with Love and Kyrie getting hurt. Right, exactly. Oh man, oh yeah. man. So, so yeah, yeah. It, it, it's something I'll treasure my whole life. So yeah, yeah, um, it's, uh, yeah. What a what a yeah. And and that's it's it's funny. Um, it's funny. Like uh, I I just hope that uh, you know that's what you play the games for. You know that's right. what you're doing this for. Is that you know what I mean? Like it, that's, it's not to make a play in game. <laughs> ex- thank you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, and I got into that with Eli a little bit on Twitter today because I was like, you know, I think part of my opposition to trading for Simmons is maybe I'm letting the perfect be the enemy of the good. But it just seems Mm -hmm. like I'm with you. If you're going to take that contract on, you better be getting some assets. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, like them getting off that contract and having Kevin Love's contract as a trade chip in the next year, you know, um, Oh, I don't is, think it'll be a chip, but I, well, I mean, at least it, it, they could use that salary, or someone yeah. can use that salary to facilitate moves, you know. So yeah, with, with and also the fact that it has two less years on it. So, yeah. um, it, hell, I mean, he even fits honestly, uh, just with the shooting or whatever. But um, uh, you know, he's probably washed. But uh, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. I don't. know. Yeah, I know. Well, look at Blake. You know, I guess look at Blake Griffin. You know, if there's a uh, you know a tale about market inefficiency, that was one of the that was one of the discussions um, about how teams, how the contenders or near contenders get better. And there's a the idea of there's a market inefficiency with vets that want to chase a ring. You know, and yeah, Kevin and Love. My, would fit. my take on it is yeah. that 
players released after the trade deadline should not be playoff eligible. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> because I think it's, you know, they're literally depressing their value and playing like garbage so that they get released instead of getting traded. And I think it's, yeah. I think it's just bad for the league all the way. No, around. yeah, I, I would tend to. I mean, it's definitely bad for those teams that need to recoup an asset. You know what I mean yeah. for for uh, for a player that are that's decent. So yeah, and I don't know. Do you have a take on this? You know, my current pet peeve, and I think a, more than one person I follow's current pet peeve is mm-hmm. just the hand wringing over. Oh no, not the highest markets are not in the finals. Or in the conference oh, yes. finals, like what? What will we ever do about the ratings? And I'm like, you know, the NFL had a Super Bowl between New Orleans, well, between Tampa and New England. Those are mm-hmm. not the biggest markets in the NFL, and they're doing just fine. Right. You know this this whole thing about markets. Let's. I love. I would love if the NBA embraced parity and got rid of super teams altogether, and these teams just. These playoffs are exciting and unpredictable and fun. You know, absolutely. I mean, that's yes, and and also I hundred percent agree. And it's the fact that okay, it's been LeBron or Steph for the past decade plus. This is how you get new stars. This is how you get a Booker uh, exposure, Giannis exposure. A two isn't he a two time one? Yeah, two time MVP. Yeah, exactly. Like a guy and, like and he's Drew in, Holiday, who's been an all-star, yep, been a yep. great two-way player in the league forever. Yeah, CP three, uh, a chance, a chance yeah. at a legacy. You know, like a real, you know, like this is his Hall of Fame candidacy uh, that we're. Well, witnessing. I mean, he's already a Hall of Fame point. Guard, Absolutely, yeah, well, yeah this of is, course. This but, would definitely be the capstone to his. Career. Yeah, yeah, and and you know. And 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 PG has a redemption story there, and uh, now Trey Young, you know, is, is, Trey Young, DeAndre uh, DeAndre Ayton, whom you mentioned, these are two guys that were blasted, you know, because they weren't Luca, but they're contributing to Playoff their teams. P. And, yeah, right, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So there's so many yeah. good storylines, and there's so many good players that I mean, and, and let, let's call it what it is. It's really just casuals and media types that are really. Yeah. Uh, they're just sad their favorite team isn't in. You know? Yeah, I mean, that's part of the reason I want the Cavs to get the eighth pick is just to weed <laughs> the casuals out of Cavs Twitter. So, Yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you. There. Like I said, I'm with you there as far as um, it's about it's about having an eye for talent and evaluating. And yeah. uh, stars can be, you know, uh, uh, I just think back to, you know, MPJ and uh, – shy and these guys are going to be emerging you know these guys are going to be emerging soon uh, Halliburton yeah. you know is now you know there's talk about him year two and figuring out the scoring and so uh, yeah it's a and like you know I mean you've already said like Giannis and Gobert and you know there's you know although Gobert is probably a bad example now <laughs> no I don't <laughs> but, think he's a bad example I yeah think. right right yeah I, it, I exactly, think yeah the, yeah go ahead the Clippers part of what happened there is the Clippers got so hot that the the Jazz just need to do something different. I mean, I, I would have put Royce O'Neal at center and you know played a smaller lineup. They certainly had the bodies to do it. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. and they just refused. I mean, you know, yeah, Gobert got exposed a little bit, but he's still a guy that helps you immensely in the regular season. And yeah, you know, I, that wasn't his matchup. But I will say the other side of that, and I thought Quinn Snyder just got absolutely exposed. I'm like, what are yeah, you doing? You've got to do something different. 
Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. you know, people talk about trading for Ben Simmons. Well, I'm like, well, if that's the math that you're doing and you're going to trade for a contract like that, why don't you trade Jared Allen for Rudy Gobert? I mean, <laughs> if they're not going to pay the luxury tax to keep Mike Conley, why don't you uh, offer that to them? You know, I mean, that does. I mean, it's funny because uh, I, I feel like there's kind of a question there that's being asked a little bit is um, the the value of a big what is the value of a big uh, especially that, if they can't shoot and they can't it, step exactly up. exactly and can't defend the perimeter can't be can't yeah uh, i mean you look uh the clips were playing batum at center or terrence Mann right at center. right they really didn't have a center they were just playing all switchy they were playing yep you know reggie jackson and four guys that can switch Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And then, oh, God, and Dwight Howard, what a disaster. Oh, yeah. Uh, Doc, oh, my goodness. I mean, so, you, you yeah. know, and and so it kind of begs the question well, in the future. Well, and that's like a lot of know? people said, why wasn't their bench unit just Ben Simmons and four shooters? Exactly, <laughs> exactly, yes. But And then Doc refused to play Ben Simmons alone without Dwight Howard on the court for whatever the yeah, reason. Yeah, which is it's, just, it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you already know. Yeah. So, um, but it, I think it raises an interesting questions, which the Cavs will have to face this off season is what is the value of Jared Allen ultimately in an NBA that thrives on two way wings as the preeminent player to have, you yeah, know, playmaking wings. Or, I mean, it almost feels like you cannot have, you can have one guy on the floor who can't shoot threes anymore. That's what right. it feels like. And, and and that player is either your center or your power forward usually. Yep. <laughs> I mean in yep. the in the case of the Bucks it's Giannis. Um yep. but or in the case of Utah it's Gobert or in the case of, you know, Phoenix it's Aiton, but there's there's only one guy anymore for most teams. Yeah. And the Cavs the way they're built um you know, either Larry Nance has got to become a real good three-point shooter or they got to figure out some stuff. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I would love to another... see Allen shooting more threes and get a little quicker release. But yeah, <laughs> that would be amazing. Well, and, well, and another thing that kind of gets uh, uh, thrown into question is uh, uh, you had Utah, which was a small guard dominant team. I mean, it goes six one, six two, you know, six one, six one, six four, just like the Cavs on the perimeter. Uh, and Gobert really was hiding the fact that they have tiny guards that can't defend on the perimeter. Wow. You know, that's, so it's, you know, it, and that's with Conley, who's one of the best guard defenders in the league. I, I so, think their defense was really bad against the Clippers. I think that was, I think they yeah. started to develop some really bad habits mm-hmm. uh, in the previous two series, you okay. know. Uh, or the previous series against Memphis, mm-hmm. and I think it really carried over to that series. They defended much better in the regular season than they did in the playoffs, and I th- their defense was not good in the playoffs, and I think it has less to do with size and more to do with just execution because okay. even if you're small, you know, you should still be able to contain Stay some dribble pe- penetration. Right. Right. But I also think it was scheme, too, because... Well, I guess one caveat is Conley is their best perimeter defender, and what did he even play? Yeah, he didn't. And we all yeah. know, you know, Jordan Clarkson 
Right. His yes. ceiling is below average perimeter defender. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. His, his ceiling is a an engaged J.R. Smith. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And, and as you know, it's funny with Mitchell as, as the more offensive burden he's taken is concurrent with a decline in his yeah. Well, and I would say his injuries. I mean, clearly he was. Oh yes, an the ankle was bad. Yeah. Uh, right. Did not help him defensively either. Hundred percent agree. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I certainly. Who do you like? Who, who do you who, who you like? I'm gonna go. This is tough. I'm gonna. Go I know. <laughs> Milwaukee. So one of the things I think that uh, Phoenix really has in their player favor is I think that rest they got. You know, one of the things that really hurt mm-hmm. Utah is when they had long rest, they were really rusty coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you saw it against the Grizzlies in game one, and then you saw it against the Clippers early, and I think it made it hard for them to close that series out. Phoenix absolutely took care of business, and they didn't even have Paul George. Right. Or not Paul George, uh, Chris Paul. Right. And I think their relative health and, you know, the rest they've gotten is really going to carry th- them through that series. Um, and I think, you know, if both teams were rested and healthy, I would pick, uh, you know, the Clippers, but because the Suns, you know, were really smart about closing out, uh, Denver, that they have the advantage. I'm going to pick them in the finals. And, you know, I also think that the defensive mismatches that Atlanta found against, uh, Philly, uh, mm-hmm. they will not have Steph Curry to pick on every game, mm-hmm. or not Steph, mm-hmm. Seth Curry to pick on every game, and Tobias. The Harris. better Curry, yeah. <laughs> they they will not have, you know, a couple of mediocre defenders on the floor at all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think Milwaukee will do a much better job of containing them, because um, Milwaukee is much stronger and much uh, more sound defensively. Yeah. Um, right. That being said, I never put anything past Coach Bud. Exactly. Yes, stinking. this is what this is the limb you're going on. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm still gonna pick Milwaukee because uh, it just feels like their year a little bit. I mean, if they can survive that mm-hmm. net series, it, it feels like it might be their year. So yeah. I mean, when when I saw Giannis bank in that three against uh, the Nets. Um, I was like, this might be their year. I mean, those are like the kinds of things that happen when it's your year. You need luck. You need luck need to luck. win. You need luck to win. So uh, I will say the other thing around that is I've never, conversely, I've never seen a play, a team make so many dumb offensive plays in a row that Milwaukee seems to do over and over and over. <laughs> of course, you know, that being said, it still wasn't as dumb as Quinn Snyder's refusal to sub out Rudy Gobert. And it's just keep getting destroyed by Terrence Oof. Mann. Yeah. But anyway, what were you going to say? No, no. I mean, uh, I'm uh, I'm in agreement with you. Uh, I, To me, uh, my assumption is Kawhi won't play and that CP3 will. And if that's the case, I would take Phoenix as well. Um, and I'm, I would also probably take the bucks based on experience. Um, although I'm let, and I'm in agreement You're with so you. so nervous about like, that, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, is, you know, the, 
Trey Young and Kevin Herter. Oh, the, my favorite nickname in the NBA right Red now. Velvet? Red Velvet. <laughs> I love it. It's such He's a great a, nickname. Man, I mean, he... I mean, he won them that game seven. You know, Trey couldn't shoot and he made clutch shots and still passed the ball well, but it was really Kevin Herter's shot making and ability to create his own shot that really, he was the guy. He was the guy in that 2018, 19th pick. Yes. Yes. You know, so you yes. don't have to pick a lottery player to get a really good player. I, you, you know, know I wanted to, you know, I'm, and it was too trollish to say, but. I feel like it's now not as trollish to say I I would rather have Herder than Colin Sexton. I would rather have him <laughs> as as a troll, as a troll. <laughs> but half, but I mean, like that's the kind of shot making that's that's you know what what he really surprised me with is he can attack off the dribble. He's not just a Clay Thompson spot up shooter that can't dribble or a Dan, you know, Danny green who can't dribble. He's got a little bit of a shake to him that, um, you know, that really came in handy uh, last night, you know, for Philly or for Atlanta. So, uh, well, I think we've seen already three guys in this playoffs that you, you might pick over him. And the other guy is, uh, you know, miles bridges who is having a great postseason and, Man, just oh, looks like good an point. absolute all-around stud. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hate to use that term, but he, he just looks so solid in every single phase of the game. Yeah. And I mean, he's not the scorer that Sexton is. I mean, not a lot of guys are, but there's there's more aspects to the game than well, he, scoring. He feels like more of a win, like a guy that you can play on a winning team. It, yes, he's scalable. Exactly. That's the that's a term that they, they love using. He's a guy that doesn't need the ball in his hands to affect the game. And 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 it also, I think with the Clippers and your point about the their roster is hundred percent true. Is this in this day and age the premium is playmaking wings? Playmaking wings or three and D wings are the are the the currency. In the in today's NBA and Miles Bridges, you know the only thing he's lacking really is the playmaking, uh, and and I don't even know if that's even necessarily true. They're a great passing team. Um, well, yeah, so, and he he plays the role. I mean, he's usually yeah, finishing the play on a cut or exactly a, or exactly. A shot. Yeah, and he finishes well. He can finish at the rim because of his length. He can shoot the three. He's always been able to shoot the three. And he can defend. He can make plays on the – so he can play both ends of the court. And and that's what you need in today's game. And so, uh, you know, uh, so I mean – and so I get why, you know, going back to our draft conversation, I get why Green would be higher, more highly rated than a Suggs, you know, based on that. Um, but, uh, you know, so it's a, just length is the key to defense, you know, length, length is the key to defense. And if you don't have it, you're going to struggle on defense. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, that that's, if there's a guy on the Cavs roster that reminds me a little bit of that, it's Lamar Stevens. Yeah. Right. Lamar, if there's a guy I feel like could really stick from the bottom end of the Cavs roster, it's Lamar Stevens. Cause like, if he gets a shot. He can be, you know, Macau Bridges. 
Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's he's one of the best athletes in the NBA. Like I, I funny enough, I ran he across his, himself on the backboard. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what I saw is I he 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 uh, he tested at the combine and he has one of the highest verts in the 40 inch vert, you know. Uh, jumps out of the gym, one of the quickest. He, he's, you know, one of the quickest in the shuttle runs. You know, he's just a, he, he's Terrence, he's like Terrence Mann is the comparison yeah. that I made in the, in the roster review. And that's the kind of guy you investigate at the margins of a roster. Absolutely. Is just, you know, and, and he, and what did he prove this year as a rookie? He proved he could, he can play NBA de- defense oh, yeah. right off the bat. Right and, off and the he bat, he has a good game inside of fifteen feet too. He does. No, you're, you're. That's a great point. He did like he was making that mid range. You know, yeah. he was making that mid range, and he was finishing at the basket at a very yeah. high level. He won a game. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, against Atlanta, the conference, <laughs> you know, finalist, Atlanta yeah. Hawks. Yeah. So yeah, absolutely. So I, you I know, will say I, that is the other thing that I feel like Atlanta has. Atlanta almost reminds me of the 2015 Warriors, where the, it's like the Red Seas parted, and, <laughs> you know, and they got oh, to yeah. the way that just kind of everything's broken perfectly for them to have a deep playoff run. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. It, it was like so many things had to go right in it. They have been. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, and, the, yeah. Yeah. Other yeah, than Daniel. Yeah, Trey Young's probably my least favorite player in the NBA, but yes, he's a villain. He has when he's not playing for cheap fouls, he's been really good. Yeah, yeah, I, I like I like the fact that he's embraced the villain role. You know, <laughs> oh, he God. he's been a yeah. he's been a really nice heel in these playoffs. Like uh, the, the yeah, oh man, definitely a team of heels. Yeah, there was yes, a you're right. <laughs> who wrote a piece on that this last week. It might have been the Ringer. Did uh, you see John Collins' shirt? No. That he wore post game. Oh, he. What was it? He 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 was wearing a shirt of his dunk over Joel Embiid, where he's got <laughs> Embiid in a headlock as he's dunking. He did it somehow. The refs missed that foul offensive foul call, and uh, but uh, yeah, he was wearing a shirt post game with with uh, yeah, the awesome. picture of him headlocking Joel. Did Embiid. you see the um, misprint? Uh, Illegal uh, black market tea for the uh, Hawks with Tristan Thompson on. Yes. Oh, and then I saw. Didn't you or somebody make the joke? Oh, it was nice to add. It was nice to add Horford's father. Yeah. Well, and now Horford and Love are in the same locker room, so it's the first father-son duo in the NBA. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, That joke writes itself. It's so yes, it does. Yes, yes. And we didn't even talk about that. Just how? Just all the crazy stuff that's gone on in the league. I mean, I feel like we're just in for a roller coaster of a summer with it almost feels like pent up demand for chaos. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Well, it, I think it's the thing. I think the thing that and you're you kind of alluded to it with all the belly aching from media types about ratings and stuff is that the change of the guard is happening. The change, you know, like uh how old is LeBron? He's 36, 36 or, or 36. Yeah. He'll be 37 next year. Yeah, yeah he'll be 37. He, um, he Steph appeared is, mortal this year. Yeah, Steph is 34, 33, 34. You know, he's got maybe a couple. I mean, uh, even Kawhi. Kawhi is now on the wrong side of 30. Like yeah. uh, Durant is 30, you know, 31. Um, same yeah. with James Harden. So, And it's really interesting. I love 
you know, one of the things I talked about is is Phoenix. I feel like when you have these older guys, you have to have a deeper roster because you have to protect them a little more. Absolutely. That's a great, I, you know, that's a fantastic point because especially, in a, like you've alluded to it, you know, at times that I've seen is this, this season was insanity. It was oh, yeah, absolute. It was such ins- a meat grinder. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it were, was, it was unhealthy. It was literally yeah. unhealthy. I mean, the nor- the light weeks were three games. Exactly. Right. Which, yeah, exactly. Totally. Exactly. So heavy it, weeks you, were four and horrible weeks were five. <laughs> yep. Yeah, exactly. Which is, it, it's just, it was just total insanity. Um, and it was something that, uh, the, it's something that uh, it's ironic that LeBron came out and complained about it oh. when he's the, he's the vice president of the players association. Well, and, and- you know, let's be honest, it was about everybody getting paid. And there's no shame yeah, yes, in that. Absolutely. There's no, no shame right, in admitting right. that. No, absolutely. Yes, 100%. 100%. NBA owners are not going to pay you not to play. It's right. just not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. So, it, it was, so uh, you know, so... Well, and, and let's not pretend that these teams aren't hemorrhaging money. Yeah, You know, it's right. going to be really interesting to see a team like Boston who just made... who just paid somebody to take Kemba Walker... Yeah. Uh, with a draft pick or, you know, Utah, what are they going to do with Mike Conley and Rudy Gobert? Are they going to be able to trade them both? Are they going to go into luxury tax? You look at another team like um, Phoenix, you know, with Chris Paul suddenly. Remember how that contract was a boat anchor? And yeah. Oh, he's probably going to opt out and sign another contract. It's just crazy. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I it was mind blowing that he even I was I'm was floored that he turned down forty billion. You know, million. You mean? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, if I'm well, he hasn't yeah. turned it down yet. That's true. Good, good point. Because, a good you know, point. <laughs> Chris Paul could always get hurt before the end of the season, and you don't, you know, knock on wood. I don't wish that for him. He, absolutely, he does have yeah. COVID right now, and I know. Fortunately, yeah. he was vaccinated, which it looks like yes. he's going to make a quick recovery. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's it's definitely a weird one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so. yeah, it's been a crazy off season. I mean, Parabolos Vulgaris. Oh my! And we haven't Dallas. even talked about Dallas. I yeah, know. Dallas is a train wreck. Um, you know, all these people well, they, yeah. trying to move. Uh, Luca to the Cavs because of the huge Slovenian. Yes. <laughs> I, I I will drive that train. I will absolutely drive that train. Sell the sell the farm. Bring bring the Slovenian bring home. home. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, he is the next. He's the next LeBron. Let's let's make it. Let's make it real. So. <laughs> But yeah, I I don't know if you, yeah. That, I mean, it's crazy that now. I mean, how many. How many, how many franchises have just been completely obliterated over these playoffs? I mean, you got like you just said, Dallas. Uh, Dallas, you've got um, Philly. Maybe Philly is probably going to get blown up. Uh, you've got oh, who else? Um, Utah has got yeah. a lot of questions. That's yeah, answer. Yeah. You know, L.A. is a mess because they yes. have a lot of contracts that and players that don't make sense next to LeBron yep. and yep. an over an overpaid diva and Anthony Davis. Um, yep, yep, yep. Who, who yep. else? We got Miami. Who, oh yes. Well, how right. many how many teams didn't trade for James Harden that felt kind of oh. dumb? I mean, 
Oof. they didn't trade because of uh oh, what's his name tyler hero yes tyler hero. exactly course, philly didn't so i heard two things philly didn't want to trade simmons but i also heard that uh Fertitta didn't want to deal with daryl morey yeah so. and well and also to go deeper with that it was also a question of money because uh simmons had already signed his extension and Fertitta's broke oh right. and does and doesn't want to pay anything. So he yeah. got the, he, you know, supposedly Philly offered a godfather offer that was a lot more attractive basketball wise for Houston, but he's broke and didn't want to pay. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, they didn't even want to get Jared Allen and they got exactly Ola Depot who they got almost nothing for instead. Right. Right. Exactly. And he was an expiring, right? If I yeah. recall. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There you go. So, yeah. And he so, basically uh, told him in no uncertain terms, would he sign a contract extension or uh, re-sign with them? So they had to trade him to Miami for a second rounder and then he right. stuck for Miami. So Yeah. Yeah. So they got nothing for Harden, did they? I mean, geez. Well, they got draft picks from. Okay. Okay. Well, there a, you go. <laughs> yeah. They got draft picks from Milwaukee and Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, those those non lottery well, I shouldn't joke. I mean yeah. I would love them for the Cavs, so <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah. So anyway, yeah, it's yeah. it's there's a lot of pent up chaos around the NBA and it'll be interesting yeah. to see what happens in the got some more coming month. tomorrow night. Got some more. Yeah. Yeah. Two, uh playoff games and a crazy um crazy lottery. So Yes sir. Yes Should sir. Be fun. Yes, any new pitch? Any uh, any parting <laughs> shots? Any good stories in the last uh, few weeks? Well, uh, I there was okay. So there's two things. I'll, I'll make them Cavs related for the for our CTB folk. Um, well, the first thing is uh, uh, Larry Nance uh, up for the Community Assist Award. Um, I thought that was really cool, and also talking about you know because I just did the power forward roster review and just you know how he's been a, a a, a, you know, this season was crap, but, you know, his professionalism, you know, on the court, off the court, you know, those are the kind of guys you need to win. You oh, know what absolutely. I mean? I am so wishing for him for health for next year. Yeah. Yeah. If I could wish one thing for the Cavs, it would be world peace. And the second thing <laughs> would be for Larry Nance Jr. to stay healthy. Heck yeah. Because, I mean, he, you know, he was really blossoming on the defensive end. You know, he was solid. You know, if not unspectacular on the offensive end, and just his leadership and his his professionalism. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it is so. Uh, I think he that's had a lot you... to do to keep with keeping the lo- locker room from going sideways. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, and he was up for an award. He raised a quarter of a million dollars for local businesses. So that was really cool. No, he was super um, cool. He was awesome. Yeah, yeah, and and the second thing is, uh, I'll give you a little shout out to Mean Dean Wade or James Dean Wade. Uh, one of the one of the most interesting nuggets that I found uh, in doing a little research on the roster review is his performance in small ball lineups. Uh, I was shocked that was he, he a five or a four, just both. He was really okay. both. He played, you know, he was interchangeable, but he was playing basically a stretch big. Um, he was a switchable stretch big. That it was, he wasn't a total turnstile uh, in rim protection, um, or you know, in defensive rotations, and uh, he could shoot the ball. And so uh, it was really fascinating to see that uh, he he really performed well with both Nance and um, Love. 
in small ball lineups, especially for the offense, like as, as anemic as the Cavs offense was this year, it was clear that he was a boost in some of those small ball lineups. So no, uh, and I, I think yeah. it could have been so much better if they made a consistent effort to get him the ball yeah. in his spots. I mean, right. I, how long, how many times did you see him play, you know, 12 minutes and get one shot attempt? Exactly. You know, you're, 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 amen, brother. Amen, brother. I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, and just, and you need to get shooters in rhythm. You need, you need to find some rhythm for, you need to find shots for them to get into rhythm. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, and it's just a nice story of, you know, like there's that theme and, and to, I guess this is something I got to begrudgingly give Kobe Allman credit for is just working the margins, you know, working the margins of a roster, Lamar Stevens, Dean Wade, some nice stories there, um, at the margins of the roster, even Broderick Thomas, you know, oh, uh, I'm with you you. Know, yeah, I, I think he's been great at the margins. It's been, the mid first rounders, you know, the the twenty nineteen draft, I've been yeah. pretty disappointed in so far, especially right. with as many good players as were taken in the second round. You know, Terrence Mann. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, think of all the bevy of uh, Memphis Grizzlies taken in the second round. Like, oh, uh, yeah. Desmond Bain. Um, no, that was twenty twenty. Oh, was that twenty twenty? Yeah, My bad. But, uh, um, yeah, Tillman and uh, Tillman, uh, Brandon Tillman. Clark. Uh, Spencer yeah. Tillman, yeah, 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 was, was a the, second rounder for them. Yeah, and uh, well, and also DeAnthony Melton was a big time backup point guard for them. Uh, yeah, no, I, they, I, they've definitely mined the draft well. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just, so there you go. So that's my pitch. Uh, you know, shout out to Larry Nance Jr. and uh, Dean, uh, James Dean Wade. So yeah, how about nice. you, man? <laughs> um, I don't know if I have too much Cavs related. Um, I will say I've been watching. <laughs> I've been watching a really, really, really dark uh, sci-fi series um, on Epics. It's the uh, reboot of War of the Worlds. Um, and there's not a lot of actors, American actors in it, because it's a very Eurocentric production. But uh, Gabriel Byrne is probably the biggest named actor in it. Um, and he's really good. Um, but I guess one of the things I really like about it so much is how dark it is uh, from a standpoint of like, there'll be a major character that they'll just kill off instantly from out of nowhere. And you're like, Holy crap. <laughs> like there's no, you know, sacred cows when it comes to who they're going to kill or not kill. Um, <laughs> and that, that part of it is just like refreshing. Like they cross some lines uh, that I haven't seen from who gets killed in a TV standpoint that I may have never seen in a, in a TV show. So it was, re- it was really interesting. So oh I, I enjoyed that. Um, it's about on the third episode of the second season now, but it was a fun first season. The second season, I'm not, I don't know if fun's the right word, but it was definitely riveting. I'll put it that way. Okay. Yeah. The yeah. second season has been, uh, and I will say that it's paced really well. It doesn't really lag. Um, but the second season has been a, a total shift uh, and I'm not sure if it's good or not, but it, okay. I, I feel like it's a pretty binge-worthy show, so I'll, right. I will recommend that on Epics, uh, a little off the beaten path for, for that show. So Sounds um, great. I and mean, then I, I'm really interested to see this new Edgar Wright movie, The Sparks Brothers, um, which I know nothing about other than Edgar Wright directed it, and I love Edgar Wright movies. So Okay. Uh, who uh, what other movies has he done? Uh, so uh, he did the uh, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and The World's okay. End, as well as Baby Driver 
and uh, Scott Pilgrim oh. versus the World. So he he's with the Nick Frost. That's an interesting. That's Simon an interesting Pegg. milieu. Yeah. Yeah, and he's just a really really good, really talented director. So okay, I know E.G. is a fan as well. So ah, I know. I was thinking about it, thinking about you, E.G. Man. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Ho- hopefully he will be back in the fold soon. So yeah, we'll yeah. See. Miss but him on the podcast. Even if he's not, uh, we miss you, E.G. And we love you, brother. Yes, sir. So, yes, and, sir. Uh, and I think that's all I got. So uh, go Cavs, one or eight for me. <laughs> all right, go Cavs. Kate Cunningham. Let's go. <laughs> go Cavs. Go Cavs. Thank you for listening to Cavs the Blogs podcast. Check back soon for some more fun with your favorite blogger. There's a fire. Lost your home. Lose your partner.